How is everyone? Why don't you turn in your Bibles to the book of Luke? You have your Bibles with you? If you don't, I'll be reading the passages. Luke chapter 19. We're going to look at a famous story, but it's a story that only appears one time in the Bible. You know, there's a number of things you'll find in the Gospel of Luke you don't find in Matthew, Mark, or John. It's only in Luke you find the story of the prodigal son, and it's only in Luke that you're going to find um, the parable of the Good Samaritan, and it's only in Luke you hear the story of Zacchaeus, and we're going to read that together. Often these stories are saved for the children, and they really have uh, some wonderful theology for those of us who are adults. He entered Jericho and was passing through. Now it tells us that there's a great crowd that's following him because in another gospel, as he's going into Jericho, he heals a blind man by the name of Bartimaeus. And it says there was a great multitude. This is the last trip of Jesus to Jerusalem. This is also the trip that was the last Passover. And so during the time of Passover, there were a lot of pilgrims that were traveling to the city of Jerusalem. Now, Jesus knew he was on his way to die, but um, a number of things happened on that way. And behold, there was a, a man named Zacchaeus, and he was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not, because he was of small stature. So he ran ahead and climbed into a sycamore tree to see him for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place where he was, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and he came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they, the crowd, they all grumbled and they said, he's gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and he said to the Lord, behold, Lord, half of my goods I give to the poor and if I have defrauded anyone, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today's salvation has come to this house, inasmuch as he is also a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. So let's take a look at this story a little more closely today. Um, first of all, Zacchaeus was, it says, a publican. Now, I think most of us know what a publican was in Bible times. Um, their tax collectors were not like our tax collectors today where there was some legitimate process where they were picked by the government. Tax collectors back then, I want you to think more mafia. The tax collectors got into a contract with the Romans who were hated enemies, and they said, we will give you these uh, bridges and gates of the city and you will evaluate the uh, sales items that are coming in and going out, and you will levy a tax on the items. You get to keep a small percentage for yourself, and then you return that to Rome. And so they would contract with Rome to extract taxes from their own people. The Romans would pick Jews to tax the Jews. They found it created less riots. They spoke the language, and they say, you get to keep a little of it for yourself. Well, the tax collectors often kept quite a bit for themselves. And because they were sort of outcasts from Jewish society, they made no pretense of being religious. Jesus often lumped the tax collectors together with the harlots. 
You'd say the tax collectors and the harlots. And you remember that uh, Jesus invited even one of the 12 apostles to be a tax collector. There he was collecting the taxes at the gate of the city. And Jesus said, follow me. And he walked away from his uh, cash register and followed Jesus. Zacchaeus felt that he was an outcast from society. Even though he was rich, and you know the Bible, when it says you're rich, it says he was a tax collector and he was rich. Zacchaeus was the chief tax collector in Jericho. Jericho was the best place to be a tax collector because it was on a highway that really connected a bridge of three continents. The trade and caravan traffic that went from Africa to Europe, that went from Africa to Asia, and from Europe down to uh, Asia, all went through the Jordan Valley. You could not go east of there. It was a big desert. There was nothing there. And so through that Jordan Valley, they'd go through that ancient city of Jericho. Jericho as a city was a, a cursed city. You remember when the walls of Jericho fell, Joshua pronounced a curse on anyone who rebuilt the city. Hundreds of years later, there was a man who didn't listen to the words of Joshua. He rebuilt Jericho, and just as the curse had foretold, as he was laying the foundation for the city, there was an accident, and his firstborn died. And when they were completing the city and setting up the gates, there was another accident, and the youngest of that man's children died. It was a cursed city. And so here Jesus is walking through this cursed city, because it's on the road to Jerusalem when you're coming from Galilee. He heals um, Bartimaeus. A great multitude is following him. Pilgrims on their way to the priest. And there's this very wealthy chief of the tax collectors. He is the, the Don of the Mafia. He's well known because he's also a little man. And they used to tease him. Maybe he was one of these people, you know, they say some men that are famous in history are driven because they were small. They call it little man syndrome. Um, Adolf Hitler. They say that um, Alexander the Great was just about five feet three. Some of you know the former president of North Korea. What was his name? Kim Jong-il. He, he wore four-inch four platforms on his boots because he was so self-conscious. And you've all heard of Napoleon. Little man syndrome. We don't know. Maybe that's what Zacchaeus had. We know he was very wealthy, powerful, and little. But you know, what profit is it if you gain the whole world and you lose your soul? And even though he could buy anything he wanted, nobody loved him. And he didn't feel happy. And the priest told him he was so sinful he could not be saved. And he was wondering, maybe, is there any way I could ever be restored to God? And then he heard about this teacher from Galilee that not only accepted a publican to be one of his inner circle, he thought, well, that's unusual. I mean, even the scribes and the Pharisees, when Jesus accepted Matthew, Jesus went to eat at Matthew's house, and they said, well, your master, he's eating with publicans. And you remember Jesus said, well, it's the sick that need a physician, not those that are well. But then Jesus told a parable that Zacchaeus heard about of two men that go to the temple to pray. One is a Pharisee, the most religious of people, and one is a publican, the wickedest of people. And when he gets done telling the parable, the Pharisee, he says, I pray twice a week, or I pray all the time, pay fast twice a week, I pay tithes of all that I have, and I'm thankful I'm not like this publican back there. And the publican would not so much as lift up his eyes, but he 
bowed his head and he smote on his breast. He said, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. And then Jesus absolutely shocked the crowd when he said, I say unto you, the publican went down to his house justified, not the Pharisee. What? God would forgive a publican? Zacchaeus thought, I want to see a religious leader like that. So he's hoping for forgiveness. He, he heard about Jesus. He wants to see him. But there's a problem. You know what the problem was? It says he sought to see Jesus. But what was the problem? Too short? I'd like to tell you the problem was the crowd was too tall. <laughs> there's nothing wrong with his height. Because, uh, you know one of the most common things that people tell me when they see me for the first time? They watch the television programs and somehow the TV programs give the illusion that I'm taller than I am. I don't know why. And when they finally see me, they go, oh, he's short. And some people actually say it to me just like that. They don't even realize what they're saying. They're going, hi, wow, you're short. <laughs> I said, no, I'm not. I said, I'm just concentrated. <laughs> I'm condensed. <laughs> or I tell him I'm really taller than I look. <laughs> but you know, it depends on where you are. Uh, in America, I'm short, but when I go to the Philippines, I'm tall. <laughs> it's just all perspective. <laughs> now, it wasn't just that he was too short, the crowd was too tall. Have you thought there are some other stories in the Bible of people who wanted to see Jesus, but the crowd got in the way. For instance, um, there was a man who was paralyzed, Mark chapter 2. They wanted to bring him to Jesus, four friends. They couldn't get near the house because of what? The crowd. So they had to bring him through the roof. You remember that story? Or do you remember the story where the Bible says that uh, there was this woman who had a serious personal illness and she wanted to talk to Jesus, but she couldn't because of the crowd. So she pushed through the crowd, just got the hem of his garment, and she was healed. Had to get through the crowd. Blind Bartimaeus, just before Zacchaeus, he called out, Son of David, have mercy on me, as the crowd was passing by and the crowd said, Be quiet. And he didn't listen. And he cried even louder, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus healed him. There's three cases right there where the crowd became an obstacle for people getting to Jesus. And now it is again with Zacchaeus. You notice that Jesus is often followed by and surrounded with a crowd. And the crowd becomes the biggest obstacle. What kind of crowd was around Jesus? Well, you got apostles, other disciples, maybe just some curiosity seekers. It's safe to say the crowd around Jesus was a religious crowd. Even his enemies were religious. So what kind of crowd got in the way? A religious crowd blocked Jesus. What is the greatest obstacle for people finding Jesus in the world today? It's often the people around Jesus. The atheists and the agnostics and the skeptics in the world, when they say, I would be a Christian, but boy, you Christians are such hypocrites. What do they do? They don't look at Jesus. They look at the crowd around Jesus. And they become distracted and don't even try to get past the crowd. That's your key. If you want to have a personal relationship with Jesus, you need to personally encounter Christ. You're not saved by virtue of being in a house where Jesus was or being near the crowd that's near Jesus. You need to have a one-on-one -on -one relationship. I sometimes meet uh, Christians. Seventh-day Adventists are famous for this. 
we got a rich heritage, and they'll say, Brother Doug, you realize I'm a third generation, Seventh-day Adventist. As though you get some kind of extra credit because your parents and grandparents were in the church. When the Lord looks down to see those who are his, does he go to uh, familytree.com and find out you know, how many Adventist relatives do they have? Ooh, I guess I better bring them in. Oh, two pastors in the family tree. They will get a special seat in heaven. Does the Lord care? It doesn't make any difference. I mean, it's nice to have the culture and the history for you, but you get no salvation credit points. You need to have a personal relationship with Jesus. You've probably heard it said before, the Lord has no grandchildren. He only has children. You need to have a personal relationship. Now, Zacchaeus wanted to do the right thing. He's going through the first step of salvation. He wants to see Jesus. That's his desire. You know, that's what the Lord said we need to do if we would be saved. The thief on the cross we talked about last night, he saw Jesus. He saw him lifted up. That's how we must see him. Paul saw Jesus on the road to Damascus, and it brought about his conversion. Isaiah said, in the year that King Uzzah died, I saw the Lord, and he went through his conversion. I saw the Lord. We're invited by John to behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us. What does that mean? Behold, look, an invitation to look, to see. As Moses lifted up the serpent, you look and you live. The disciples said, Jesus, Master, where are you staying? He said, come and see. And if you come to Jesus, you will see. So the starting point for so many in the conversion is you must see Jesus. If we could see the Lord through his eyes, see who he is, it changes everything. So he wants to see him, but the crowd's in the way, so he's got to get above the crowd, right? So how do you get above the crowd? Well, if your problem's too short, all you've got to do is be a little taller. But you know, we're all actually too short. I heard about this man years ago. I was listening to a Paul Harvey radio program. Any of you remember the Paul Harvey radio programs? And he was telling the rest of the story. And there was this young man, he was a Filipino gentleman, lived in Los Angeles. And for whatever reason, his dream was to be a member of the Los Angeles Police Department. That back then, they used to have some TV programs called Ships or whatever they were. Yeah, and these LA Highway Patrolmen. And he, he said, that's what I want to do. So he went to the academy, but when he entered the academy, they said, now you realize there is a height requirement in order to be part of the LA Police Department. You have to be a certain, there's a minimum height, we don't make any exceptions, and you are about one inch too short. He said, hey, well look, I'm 19, I'll grow. I can, I can grow an inch, don't worry, I'll figure it out. They said, well you might find it's harder than you think. Well, we'll let you enroll in the school, but just know, even if you graduate, we will not make you a police officer if you don't meet the height requirement. So I've got a plan, don't worry. So he entered the police academy, and while he was at the police academy, his grades were very good, and he did well in the courses, but everyone used to call him shorty, and because he realized you're not gonna graduate, you're too short. He said, no, I got a plan. And so he would go to sleep at night, and he'd attach bungee cords to his wrists, and he had a metal headboard on his bed, and he'd attach them to his ankles, and he would try to sleep at night, it was very hard to sleep, being stretched all night. He would hang by his feet from a bar that they had in the garage, like a bat, hoping that it would help stretch him. 
he tried to devise these different things. He went to the doctor and he asked for growth hormones. And the doctor said the growth hormones only work when you're going through puberty. But once you're full grown, 19 years old, man typically stops growing. Girls stop growing younger. Did you know that? He said, um, it's not going to do you any good. Um, and he was doing everything he could. He thought, one inch, do you realize it is true that when you wake up in the morning, you're actually a little taller than you are when you go to sleep at night? Because during the day, your upper body compresses the little wafers in your uh, spine and there's a little bit of compression. You might lose a quarter of an inch during the day. You measure your height when you first get up in the morning, you could be a quarter of an inch taller. <laughs> so he would do all these things he's doing and he'd run to the doctor and he'd get measured and the doctor say, you know, I'm impressed. He says, you are actually a quarter of an inch taller than you were last time. But he'd say, you got a ways to go. We're not going to let you in. Started getting near the end of his class. He was considering a very expensive surgery. Uh, sometimes people that struggle with dwarfism do this, where they break your legs. And they put these outside braces on your legs that uh, have little screws in it. And it kind of pulls the bone apart. And the bone between the break grows together and it starts filling in and they keep screwing it apart and the bone keeps growing in. It's very painful and it's very expensive. And he thought, but he was willing to do it. He was willing to have his legs broken and go through that whole procedure so that he could be a member of the LA police department. Well, his mother knew that that was going to be very expensive. So one morning she says, I have another plan that I know will work where you can grow that three quarters of an inch is all he needed now because he had gotten the quarter of an inch. He said, what is it? She said, I'll tell you after breakfast. So he had breakfast, he was very excited. She said, if you wanna understand what this plan is, you gotta look outside, look down the street from the kitchen window, kitchen door. He said, what is it, mother? He said, she, I, I've got the secret, look outside. He stuck his head, he looked outside. She grabbed a big cast iron frying pan and she walloped him over the head <laughs> with a frying pan, knocked him to the ground. And he was rubbing his head. He said, why do you do that? She said, in a little while, you're going to have a big bump. She said, run down to the doctor and get measured. <laughs> so he went down to the doctor. And the quarter inch that he had gained, plus the three-quarter inch lump that his mother put on his head, he managed to get an inch out of it. And they felt so sorry for him there at the uh, medical office. They said, all right, we're, we don't want you to kill yourself. We're going to say that you were tall enough. <laughs> Now, that, that's what that man went through to grow one inch. You know, we are all too short to see Jesus. The Bible says, which of you by taking thought can add a cubit unto your stature? How'd you like to grow a cubit's about 18 inches? That would really hurt. How do we grow taller? How did Zacchaeus get taller? He said, if I could just climb a tree. What does a tree represent in the Bible? What did Jesus die on? You read in Acts chapter 2, Peter said, Who you hung upon the tree. And it says in the Old Testament, speaking of this, Cursed is everyone that dies on a tree. And Christ took the curse for us. When you take up your cross, you'll get a little taller. When you are crucified with Christ, you are lifted up and you get a little taller. The best person who had the best view of the cross are those who were crucified with Christ. It made them a little taller. 
And when we do this, we'll see Jesus. So, he said, Lord, I want to see him. So he goes up the street. If you want to see Jesus, figure out where Jesus is going. Place yourself strategically where he's going to be. And you'll have an encounter with him. So Zacchaeus saw where the crowd was. He saw that Jesus was going up the main street. He looked ahead. He said, I am going to be where Jesus is going to be. I want to rendezvous with Christ. If you want to see Jesus, figure out where Jesus is going to be and then put yourself there. You're doing that this morning. You say there's going to be a worship. Someone's going to talk about Jesus. I am going to look ahead. I am going to put myself where Jesus is going to be. You know, the Bible says that where two or three gather in his name, what's the rest of that? I'll be there. And so when there's a prayer meeting and when there's a worship program and Christ has said, I'm going to be there, if you want to see Jesus, you go to where you know he's going to pass. So he ran ahead. He thought ahead. And he came to the spot, and it must have looked funny, you know. It says he was short. There's one tradition that says that he was also a little bit portly, which makes sense because if you're rich, you might be inclined to eat too much. And if you're a publican, you don't have a lot of physical labor. And so here's this um, very wealthy, round mafiosa named Zacchaeus in Jericho, and he's huffing and puffing with his Nordstrom robes to try and climb up this tree and get up there in the crotch of a tree up above the road so he can see the crowd when it comes below him. And as the crowd began to approach, those that were out ahead, they looked up and they saw him and they laughed and some pointed and some mocked. And they said, there, look at that, Zacchaeus, town mafia, up in the tree. Now, what kind of tree did he climb? Sycamore. It's not like the American sycamore. The sycamore in the Bible was a fig tree that often grew by a watered area, but they had different kinds of figs, just like you can have crab apples and you can have good apples. The sycamore tree was a very common fig tree, but the fruit was somewhat inferior. They usually did not feed it to the people. They fed it to the animals, uh, but it was a fig tree. Now keep that in mind. So the sea of faces begins to pass. The procession, the parade is coming underneath the tree. And Zacchaeus, he's hanging on with both arms and he's scanning the faces saying, which one is Jesus? And finally he sees that there seems to be a nucleus of focus that is around this one individual. Everyone, all their eyes are gazing in his direction. And so Zacchaeus sort of triangulates where they're all looking. And he sees this one person in the middle who has a majestic bearing and um, a look of love and this dignity, this purity about him. And as he gets closer, Zacchaeus is looking at him and he stops. And Zacchaeus thinks, oh, this is great. He's going to preach a sermonette right here under the tree. I'll get to hear what he says. And he slowly looks up right at Zacchaeus. And then he calls him by name and they've never met. And he says, Zacchaeus, come down quickly. For today I must abide at your house. He heard that and his eyes got big and I think he nearly fell out of the tree. Matter of fact, I do think he fell out of the tree. I think on his way down, he must have stumbled or something because you read a little later here, it says he had to stand up after he got down out of the tree. He just plopped out of the tree like a ripe fruit. 
You know, the Bible tells us that the only thing that Jesus was responsible directly or indirectly for killing, well, one is he allowed the demons to enter the pigs and they ran off a cliff and died. And the other thing was, Jesus, what was it? He cursed the fig tree. Why did he curse it? It had no fruit. It had a pretense of fruit. What did the Lord want? He want, went to that fig tree looking for fruit. What did that tree represent? Nation of Israel that had all the leaves, they had all the forms and all the ceremonies, but they did not have the fruits of the spirit, the love, the joy, the peace, the things that he came to see. What did Jesus say about the vine that has no fruit? It's not worth anything. It'll be cut down and thrown in the fire. What does he want in your life? Fruit. So Jesus comes to this tree and he finds fruit in this big tree. It's the, the primitive, the humble fig is what this was. Zacchaeus comes out of the tree. He falls down. Jesus says, I must abide at your house. What does the Lord want? He knocks. He says, open the door. And if we open the door, he'll do what? He'll come in. And he's basically saying, I'll abide with you. Yeah, just Can you comprehend that? The Lord doesn't say, yeah, I'll give you an autograph. He's saying, I want to know you. I want to live in your house. I want a personal relationship with you. Jesus wants to be having a personal relationship in your home. Would things in your home happen differently if Jesus lived there? Well, you need to invite him in. Some people say, oh, Lord, I, I don't know. I might like to have Jesus come visit. I'm not sure I'd want him to stay. That would be awkward. I'd have to change a few things if Jesus stayed very long. I'd have to change the way we talk or change what we watch or read or listen to. How did Zacchaeus feel? Oh, man, what a bummer. Jesus is coming to my house. You know what it says? He received him joyfully. He was so happy to know that he could be forgiven, that someone would accept him joyfully. And what happened after he saw Jesus? He receives him, and then he publicly confesses. He made haste, and he came down. When Christ calls you, did he say, hey, Zacchaeus, when you get a chance, uh, when it fits in your schedule, when it's convenient, I know you've got a lot of stress in your life, so this isn't a good time, but when you think it's a good time, you come to me. I've met people before who said, I want to accept Jesus, but I'm just going through a lot right now. I've got to wait for a better time. I've got to wait until it's convenient. Uh, you know, I'm going to try to quit smoking, but there's a lot of stress in my life. Now, this isn't a good time. I'm going to go on that diet and start trying to eat right, but that's a lot of stress right now. You know, the devil will see to it. It is never a good time. The best time to listen to God's voice is when you're hearing God's voice. The best time to do God's will is when he reveals his will. And when Jesus calls him, he says, make haste and come quickly. And he came quickly. He jumped out of the tree. And after he came to Jesus, he said, Lord, if I look, if I, half of my goods I give to the poor. First thing he says right off the bat, I'm giving half my goods to the poor. And he's saving the other half because he says, if I've taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. What does that mean? His heart has changed. You know, sometimes people call our radio program and they say, Pastor Doug, New Testament Christians don't have to pay tithe because that's an Old Testament law. Isn't that right? I said, absolutely. I said, we need to follow the New Testament principle of giving. Let me read it to you. Those that had possessions sold them, their houses and their lands, and they laid down the price at the feet of the disciples. Zacchaeus said, Lord, half of my goods I give to the poor. 
I said, the Old Testament was tithe. That's kindergarten. New Testament, much bigger commitment. <laughs> I said, so what do you want? Do you want the Old Testament or do you want the New Testament? And all of a sudden, they start believing in the Old Testament again when they find out what the, the New Testament said. No man said that all that he had was his own. And Zacchaeus stood and said, Lord, half my goods I give to the poor. If I've taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. And you know, that's according to the law. It says, if you stole a lamb, you were to restore fourfold. He knew what the law was. When he sees Jesus and he accepts, he comes to Jesus. He then confesses and he publicly repents. And after he does those things, it all happened in a matter of minutes. What does Jesus declare to him? He said to him, today is salvation come to this house. He doesn't say, all right, let's watch you for a little while, Zacchaeus, and see if you're serious and see if you can really be good. When he repented, when he saw Jesus, when he came to Jesus, he confessed Jesus. Jesus didn't even wait for him to write the check. He took the promise of his heart and he said, salvation has come. That's a wonderful story because it means salvation comes to our lives when we come to Jesus just as we are. Why? He says, for the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which is lost. If you're lost, you are qualified, according to Jesus, to be saved because he came to seek people like you. See, Zacchaeus was considered one of the most lost people in Jericho. But he came and he saved the blind and he saved the lost and he healed the sick. Now, there's something interesting about this story. He wanted to see Jesus. Who does the Bible say is going to see the Lord? You know the Beatitudes? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. I deliberately did not tell you what the name Zacchaeus means at the beginning. Do you know what Zacchaeus means? Pure. Isn't that something? Here you've got this tax collector and his name is Pure. And he wanted to see Jesus. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see the Son of God. Now, it's not in the Bible, but there is a tradition that for years later, those that were going through Jericho would often see at the foot of this old fig tree an old man, and he had a chair stationed right there by the fig tree, and periodically they'd see him look up at the tree wistfully, and he'd murmur something, and then he'd pat the tree lovingly, and folks would say, what's wrong, old man? Are you losing your mind? And he said, no, this is the place where I first saw his face, and this is the place where I first heard his voice speak my name. And Zacchaeus, according to another tradition, gave liberally of his wealth to help support the early church and became a leader in the church. Amen. You know, the whole story of this is it's harder for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus utters those words just before the story of Zacchaeus. And they said, Lord, who then can be saved? And he said, with man it's impossible, but with God all things are possible. And then you read on, it goes to the story of Zacchaeus. He had to get his heart. And yes, a rich man can be saved, but he was willing to unload and liquidate so that he could put Jesus first as a priority in his life. Would you like to see Jesus? Amen. Would you like to be a little taller? You need to climb a tree. We are crucified with Christ. Amen? Amen? Yet I live. Not I, but it's Christ that lives in me. I'd like to have that experience today. How about you, friends?
For those that are able, could we kneel and pray as we close our service? Lord, at the dawn of this beautiful new day, new week, we just commit ourselves to you. We're so thankful for the promise that have came from your lips, that as we seek after you, we'll find that when we see your face and we accept you and come to you, you will declare that we are sons and daughters of Abraham and that we are part of your family. Lord, we're thankful that you've come to save sinners. We know if you can save wicked publicans and, and uh, the great list of people that have failed in the Bible, we know that you can save us. Amen. I pray that we'll experience that salvation and we'll be so excited that we'll go from the mountaintop when these meetings are over and tell others what wonderful things you have done for us. Fill us with your spirit today, Lord. I pray that we will live lives where we take up our cross and follow Jesus. And we thank you and ask all this in Christ's name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.